Good evening. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. So, um, it's been a it's been a bit since we've gone through the fruits of the spirit. Um, I was planning on presenting this lesson last week, um, but uh, our trek down from Worcester, our return trek, um, was taking much longer than anticipated. And thank you to Dave for stepping in um, and uh, speaking uh, in my absence. Um, so. I think three weeks ago now, because two weeks ago was uh, potluck, um, we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, we wrapped up, uh, and I don't think we talked about um, the ordering or the groupings of the fruits of the Spirit that there seemed to be within uh, Paul's teaching here. Um, This is sometimes referred to as the nine graces. I don't know if you've ever heard of that um, before. Um, But they're often divided into three groups. And the last portion of this was the first group. And uh, the first group is uh, a group of of graces that turns one's thoughts toward God. Um, So the first three are intended as fruits of the Spirit to focus the Christian mind toward God. Love, joy, and peace are those first three. Um, It's the love that is of God. It is the joy um, that we have in the Lord. And it is the peace that comes from um, the Lord that surpasses all understanding. Um, So these are three things that that point our attention toward God. The next grouping, and the grouping that we're going to start tonight, um, are those that direct our attention to our fellow man, uh, to each other, whether it's um, specifically... Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, or just mankind as a whole, um, those we come into contact in our daily life. And that group is long-suffering, or patience, kindness, and goodness. And the last group um, refers more directly to yourself and how um, you carry yourself or how your life um, is guided. And those are faithfulness, gentleness, or meekness, uh, and self-control. Obviously, the last one has the word self in it. Um, but you can see, hopefully, the, the groupings that you have here and how um, they focus on different aspects of our life. Of course, the first three are our spiritual uh, aspect and relationship with God. And then the ones we're starting now are relationship with others. And then our next one is ourself. Um, and really, when it comes down to it, that is the order of our, wor- that, or our, our focus, Right? Have you ever heard, uh, I think I've said it before, but the acronym JOY. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Right? J-O-Y. And really when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, they're lined up in that way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And a second command right, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. And that's kind of a key element to that. Um, so, as I mentioned, we previously looked at those first three graces, love, joy, and peace. Uh, and now we're going to look at that second group. So tonight uh, we'll turn our attention to long-suffering. Uh, and, um, of course, as usual, we will start with the Greek. Um, the Greek word for long-suffering is makrothumia. Um, 
Long-suffering is one way of uh, translating it. Other translations, of course, have patience. I tend to like the, the, the long-suffering part of it. Um, because patience, um, I don't think the word patience really illustrates exactly what patience is like the word long-suffering does. Because long-suffering really tells you what it is. Um, the word literally means long-tempered, is what it literally means. Um, it's the opposite, of course, of short-tempered, um, which I admit I struggle with. I am a short-tempered person, um, whether it be with my children uh, or people in the world sometimes, um, or politics or things I see on TV, I get irritated very easily, and that's why I tend to stray away from politics as much as possible, because it's frustrating. Um, but uh, Thayer uh, outlines that he said, uh, patience, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in, av- uh, in avenging wrongs. Um, Vine goes on and says, uh, long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of uh, provocation which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger and is associated with mercy and is used of God. Um, when we talk about long-suffering, remember that long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it is also a characteristic of God Himself. And when we think about long-suffering, we have to also understand where God stands in terms of this quality. Um, turn over to Second Peter chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 9. This is probably uh, the verse that many people uh, think of and know um, related to the Lord and His um, long-suffering. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the purpose of God's long-suffering, first of all, if we go down a couple more verses to verse 15, is that we might have salvation. Right? And that's spoken of there a little bit in verse 9. He does not wish that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And in verse 15, Peter goes on to say, "...and count the patience of our Lord as salvation." just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. And Peter goes on to talk about things that uh, Paul had written in his letters, and some of these things he made very clear, and other things he didn't make very clear, so that others would not uh, twist them as they did other scriptures. But not only does the purpose of God's long-suffering bring about salvation and, and offer us salvation, but it also... Um, has the purpose that we might be led to repentance. Look at Romans chapter 2. Romans 
Look at verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The purpose of God's long-suffering is so that we may be led to repentance. And of course, repentance, if done so in the proper way and and done so accordingly, can help lead to salvation. Um, The whole purpose, really, of of God's patience with us and long-suffering, again, I I prefer the long-suffering better, um, is that those who fear Him and keep His commandments might delight in His kindness, delight in His love, um, even though we are enemies, even though we have sinned. Um, The opportunity that we have to be called His children is due to His grace, but it's also due to His long-suffering with mankind. If you look back through the history that we have in the Bible and the long time that He's had to suffer with a ungrateful, unloving children, nation, Israel, time and time again, turned their back, grumbled, didn't appreciate what God was providing them. But he remained faithful. He was patient. He maintained a remnant of Israel, as we mentioned this morning, so that Jesus could come forward and that uh, God's will can ultimately be fulfilled. Um, so this aspect of long-suffering comes from God. It's an attribute that He has, and one uh, who is led by the Spirit will produce this fruit of long-suffering in their lives. Now, how does long-suffering look in the life of a Christian? Well, if we look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 18, verse 32... Um, 32 through the end of the chapter there. Um, Jesus says that long-suffering is necessary if we want to experience God's long-suffering toward us, if we desire that same patience toward us. Now, of course, Jesus here is uh, in the parable of the unforgiving servant. This is the servant um, who owed a debt to his master, and the master forgave the debt, set him free, and this was a debt that could never be repaid. Um, the debt was so great that this servant had no possibility of ever repaying this debt fully. But the master repaid it anyways. And then um, that servant turned around and had a debt owed to him and decided that he wasn't going to forgive that person his debt. And so Jesus says in verse 32, he says, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I don't know if we ever really connect long-suffering and patience with forgiveness. But it's a key element to it. You see, I mentioned earlier that I struggle with this, and I think it's very timely that I'm I'm speaking on this topic because... um, Recently, I've been very short-tempered with my children. 
They are in that stage of life where they're just constantly bickering and fighting over things and screaming at each other, and it grates on my nerves. And parents, I'm sure you know and remember this stage. And last night, it came to a head where I was, I was just furious. And I realized as I was thinking about, oh, I'm preaching on long-suffering tomorrow. And um, I had to swallow the pride, sit down with the boys and apologize because I wasn't patient with them. I was not forgiving, but yet here I was seeking their forgiveness for my actions. And what did they do? It's fine, Dad. We get it. They don't, but they will someday. (laughs) We probably also have those parents who also said to us, I hope you have a kid just like you someday prophecy, right? But long-suffering isn't just something that, you know, as parents we should exemplify, but it's something that we should exemplify in our lives uh, as a whole. Um, And it also pertains to our unity in the body of Christ as well. Um, Look at 2 Timothy, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul, uh, writing here again from prison, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So patience, as Paul says in verse 2, is important within the body of Christ. And not just that, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. There's that bearing, right? Long-suffering, bear with. We need to work together. The body of Christ has never been intended as, uh, you do your thing and I'll do mine and we'll come out on the other end just fine. It's working together for the glory of the Lord. It's working together to expand His kingdom. Um, Long-suffering is also necessary for preachers and teachers of the gospel. This is the one that hit me the hardest because it's kind of what I do. And of course, whenever we talk about preachers, we typically look at 1st or 2nd Timothy. So turn over to 2nd Timothy and we'll take a quick look at some things that we'll see in our reading this week if you haven't already read it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. You know, we often look at Paul's letter to Timothy for qualifications for elders and deacons, but there are some things in here about preachers as well. And in verse 24, he says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses. Or, yeah, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Those last couple of verses are not talking about the Lord's servant. They're not talking about the preacher, but the one or ones whom the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome with. The ones that the Lord's servant must be kind to, to be able to teach to, and patiently enduring evil from. I. I'll admit it that, uh, you know, when I've talked to people about 
my faith, when I've talked to people about the gospel and their combativeness, if you've ever been in that situation, there's this fire that kind of heats up inside of you a little bit. And it's not necessarily an anger as much as it is a disappointment. Either I'm failing to do my duty to the Word, or they're just not listening. And again, as a parent, when people don't listen, when your children don't listen, that's not a fun thing, right? That's where the long-suffering comes in. And so, too, while this is you know, referring to preachers, it also refers to anyone who teaches. If you ever teach the gospel, this, this applies to you. We need to have patience with those who we are teaching the gospel to. You can sit there. And, and, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, when we had um, the potluck, the, um, that afternoon after morning services, I went to Adam's house. And Adam, on Sunday evenings, has a Bible study with um, co-workers or former students. Uh, he's, you know, they, he's got people that come in and out. And uh, during this study, we were looking at John 3.16. That's kind of where we started our study, and, and we're talking about the connection uh, with Jesus being sent into the world and, of course, baptism. Um, and, you know, as we're going through the study, we get to several points within this study of which, if one was not a Christian, the um, next logical action point, at least in my head, was to be baptized. And... You know, you can come to those points, and we've talked about different methods in which you can evangelize to people, and that back to the Bible method, that third book has several different asterisk questions in which if someone answers yes to that question, then get them in the baptistry. But that's not always the next step. I've been, you know, I've been speaking to in the past and uh, you know, those who have been wanting to be baptized, but wanting to put it off for some certain reason. And while we may come and say, it doesn't matter what day, it doesn't matter the song, it doesn't matter what's going on, if you desire to be baptized, do it now. But sometimes those reservations overwhelm it, and that's where patience comes in. We have to be patient with them, though we long for their soul to be saved. We can tell them the right things, but ultimately the decision is theirs. We can't force them under the water. Uh, Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 10. Paul talking to Timothy here, he says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. There's that patience word again. Paul, again, being an example, and you can only imagine you know, the situation that Paul's in when he's writing this letter. He's ending, uh, he's nearing the end of his life, uh, and uh, he is still long-suffering, um, both the persecutions and torment that he's having to, to deal with, <clears throat> but also um, being patient with those churches um, that he's been writing to as well. Um, chapter 4, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul again charging Timothy, says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. There's that patience word again. You know, at PTP there's tracks that are for different 
groups of people. They have an elder track, they have a preacher track, they have a member track. You don't have to attend like a specific track, but the ones that are more focused on preachers, typically it's mainly preachers in there. Um, but one um, that uh, was there was, uh, I believe it was Dan Winkler, um, who was teaking, te- talking about the role of the preacher and, and what the preacher's role is, and this was the focus. This is this is the pretty much the 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 biggest charge that we have in Scripture for preachers in terms of what we are to be ready for, what we are to do. Of course, we have the Great Commission, but Paul says, preach the Word. He doesn't say preach your opinions. He says, preach the Word. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready when it's time for you to get up in the pulpit and preach your sermon, but also be ready when someone you come into contact with somebody in the community that may need to, listen, to, to hear a lesson. It's not that you're going to preach a sermon to them, but be ready to provide them what? The Word. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. But the ultimate goal is teaching. And if you remember the Great Commission, the goal in there that's mentioned not once but twice is to teach. And when it comes to teaching, we also have to be willing to learn. We have to be willing to learn. And when we are ready and willing to learn and listen and put teachings that we find in the Bible to practice in our lives, then we're going to start seeing not only that our lives are going to get a lot easier, but our relationship with God, our relationship with others in the world are going to become a little bit easier as well. It's not always going to be a cakewalk, obviously. You can look at Paul and see that. But ultimately, if we are devoting our life to God, if we are being patient with one another, forbearing um, uh, with one another, then, um, then uh, that peace that we talked about is easier to find. That patience uh, in other aspects of our life are easier to find. So those are all good and well, but how do you do that? How do you develop patience? Sarah has said before, and I, I tend to agree because it's kind of funny, whenever I pray for patience, I'm always given situations that I need patience for. It's like, oh, you wanted patience? Here's a situation to learn how to do that. Sarah says she pays, prays for patience daily. And really when it comes down to it, that's the answer. That's how we develop this patience, through love, first of all, and secondly, through prayer. Um, we'll close out tonight. Um, a couple more teachings from Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, Love is patient. Verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. That's the first attribute of love that he puts forth. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Or as the inside of my wedding ring says, love is eternal. That's a quote from Abraham Lincoln. But I think I know where he got it from. Love is patience. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12 is where we'll finish up tonight. It 
And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There's a lot of connections in that statement by Paul to what we've covered tonight, to the fruits of the Spirit, finding joy. Do we show that we walk in the Spirit in regards to our long-suffering? Are we patient with others? Can we be more patient? When one possesses this quality of long-suffering and patience, kindness naturally follows. And we'll look at that next week as we continue this study. But tonight, if we can assist you uh, in your walk, if you are struggling with things in your life that, that perhaps you can't overcome on your own, and in many cases... You can't. In many cases, you need the prayers of the church. You need the comfort and study and and care of others. You know, we're referred to as a flock. And a shepherd cares for the flock. We have wonderful shepherds at this congregation who can assist you with those things. If you desire tonight to be baptized, we want to do that for you tonight as well. If we can assist you in any way, won't you come forward while we stand and sing?